Good morning. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, the story of the Good Samaritan. <coughs> On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answered, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus answered, you have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. Why, did, why was he justifying himself? He was justifying himself because he was trying to trick Jesus to begin with. And so Jesus had caught him red-handed with his hand in the cookie jar. And, and was about to nail him here. He tried to justify himself. He said, okay. Okay, so I've answered correctly, so now what's the deal? He said, so Jesus asked him, well, who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? If you're supposed to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor, who is your neighbor, right? And so Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, we don't, we don't often identify who the man is, but the implication of the scripture and the rest of the passage is the man was a Jewish man. Okay, not a Gentile man, but a Jewish man. It's important to know that it was a Jewish man and not a Gentile man. Jesus was telling the story to Jews, Pharisees, legalists, people who were trying to trick Jesus. So he's saying one of your fellow members, one of your friends, a Jewish man, was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Mostly dead, but not completely dead. Some of you caught the fun there. He was mostly dead. Okay, that, that comes from a movie. If you haven't seen it, you don't get it. But I could quote it, but I won't. We'll keep moving. Right? They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place he saw him, he passed by on the other side of the road as well. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave him to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Now, remember, the Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. They absolutely hated each other. And it was, it was a religious beef that went back, that went back, went back, went back years and years and years. And they had continued to carry that same prejudice, that, that same anger toward one another. So when Jesus brought the Samaritan into the story, the Jews who were listening to the story, they were incensed. Like, don't, don't bring up a Samaritan. If you're going to bring up a Samaritan, let him be the one that gets mugged and beat up. Not, not, not the Jewish guy here, right? Let, let the Samaritan get beat up and then leave him there. That's how a Jewish person would respond. And so I've got, I've got several takeaways from this that I, I think are, are helpful to us. Uh, 
The first one is someone you know is a victim just like this Jewish man who was robbed of all of his clothes and beaten half to death. Now, I don't, I don't know what, I know what beating all to death is. I've seen that, right? We've all seen the news. I don't know what it would be like to beat half to death. It's like you're so dead that you really want to die. It's so bad, right? But you're still alive and you can't die. And so you're, you're in all that pain. I think we all know somebody that's like that. I think we all know somebody that's at a point in their life where the pain of living uh, is, is so much so they wish it would stop because it's so painful to go forward. And I think all of us have an opportunity to respond to someone like that with a word of encouragement. Or maybe no words at all, just, just going and being with them and sitting with them or, or maybe taking them out to eat and having a meal with them, something. I think all of us know somebody. So what I want to say is I think all of us know a victim like, like the man who was robbed here. And so two things I think were taken from him. Two things were stolen from him, probably some others, but the, the two things I think. Number one, his dignity was taken from him. And number two, his destiny was taken from him. And let me unpack that for just a second. His dignity. Here he was. He got up that morning. He was fully clothed. Maybe put on his best outfit. Maybe it was his favorite tunic, you know. He had, he had two, you know. And so he picked out his favorite one, and, and he was, that's what he had on. He was, he was going to town. He was going on a trip, and, but that was taken from him. He probably worked really hard to earn that. Or maybe he made it himself. Maybe he, maybe he made tunics and, or togas. Maybe he made those types of things. Nonetheless, he had it. He possessed it. It was his, and it was taken from him. And not only that, they left him naked, right, and exposed to the world. I think we all know somebody that's been exposed to the world. I'm not talking about physically, although that may be true too. I think we know people who someone has just taken their dignity away from in front of everybody. Don't we? Don't you? If you read the news, we can certainly see people in the news to whom this has happened, right? And and there's been some bizarre things. It's been bizarre things for several years now. But, you know, the last couple of weeks, just bizarre. You know, you, you got this actor who hires two people from Nigeria to beat him up, supposedly. And then it goes to court, right? He's got 16 felonies against him. And they all get dropped in a court of law. That's just bizarre. You know, whose dignity was taken there? You know, was it the American people's dignity that was taken? The justice, this Lady Liberty, the justice, you know, is, was her dignity taken from her? I mean, just, just crazy, crazy stuff going on in the world right now. And then the, the, the teenagers whose parents bought their way into school, right? And the teenagers knew nothing about it. How is that possible? Right? And so whose dignity was taken from that? Was it the education system's dignity taken? So I'm not just talking about individuals. I'm talking about entities that seemingly have been robbed of their dignity. Their, their outer clothing has been taken. They've been left bare and naked, Right? <laughs> We all know somebody like that. But not only his dignity taken from him, but his destiny was taken from him. He got that morning going somewhere. Perhaps he was going to work. He was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. A lot of, a lot of Jewish priests back in the day lived in Jericho. Housing was so expensive in Jerusalem, right? Housing was so expensive in Jerusalem. They were building apartments everywhere and they just couldn't afford it, right? Does that sound familiar to where we live, right? Traffic was terrible. I mean, there were camels everywhere, right? And the camel dung was just all over the place, right? 
right? Just like a child's diaper can happen if you read Facebook. You know about my experience this week. We won't go there. There's no preparation for a, a, a diaper that blows up out the backside, all up the back, and to the top of the head. I mean, that stuff went everywhere. And y'all didn't hear the end of the story either. <laughs> the end of the story was two hours later, I kept smelling it, right? <laughs> like, where is this? And so I began to investigate, and he had crawled up under, you know, the window ledge on your window is actually called a window stool. That's the correct term for it. It's a window stool. This piece that sticks out like this is called a stool. He'd crawled up under, he'd, he'd, he'd scraped a big chunk under the stool, of stool under the window stool. I'm just sorry, but it was terrible. I had to get in and scrub up under that thing. And... The things you do as a papa for a one-year-old. Anyway, that was the rest of the story on Facebook. And I'm just so thankful my wife didn't post what I actually said, <laughs> because y'all would probably fire me. But anyway... Preachers are human too, especially with a one-year-old with a blown-up diaper. Oh, my word. And I want to know what they're feeding him, right? Right? I digress greatly. I apologize. So this man also lost his, his destiny, right? He got up that morning and was going to... Jericho, we don't know why, but he was, he was going that way. He had a destiny. Each one of us wakes up in the morning with a destiny in front of us. The Bible says in Ephesians uh, 2.20, it says that, that we are created in God's workmanship to do good works, catch this now, you ready, that were prepared in advance for us to do. Every one of us, every morning has a destiny, a place we're supposed to get to. Whether it's a physical location or a spiritual location or emotional location or whatever it is, we have a destiny. And God calls us to that and he equips us for that and he encourages us in that. He, he supports us in that. He's applauding us in that and saying, That's, this is where I want you to go. But on that particular day, this man's destiny was taken away from him because of some robbers. And I would suggest this morning that we all know somebody whose destiny has been taken away from us. God called them to do something, to be a missionary, to be a preacher, to be a banker, to be a teacher, to be an engineer. God called them to do something, and somebody took that away from them. I know a man who, when he was 20 or 21 years old, he wanted to be a policeman so bad he couldn't stand it. He'd wanted to be a policeman before then. He would talk to his parents, you'll never be a policeman. We're not going to allow you to be a policeman. You'll never be a policeman. So he did something else for a time. He did this, and he did that, and he did the other. And it never really was fulfilling. And he, he really didn't hit his stride. And then when he turned about 40, he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to become a policeman. And so he did. And was tops in his class. And, uh, you know, made sergeant level. He just did some great work for 17 years as a policeman, and then retired. And now he's gone back into the pastorate. And he's, a, he's an amazing pastor. But that was taken from him, right? He really wanted to do that, and it was taken from him. I think all of us have days when our destiny is, is taken from us by somebody. Maybe they don't mean well, mean any harm, but maybe they do mean harm, and they, and they take it away from us. 
I want us to be on the lookout for people like that. I want us to be on the lookout for people whose destiny has been robbed from them. And we can see it. I tell you, God will give it to you. God will tell you what somebody else's destiny is. Do you know that, right? It's called prophecy. We don't like using that word. It's a big word. It's a scary word. It's kind of like revelation is a scary word, right? Apocalypse is a scary word. Prophecy is a scary word, but it's, it's not that scary. Sometimes God will reveal something to you about someone else that you need to tell them. It's a way of encouraging them. It's a way of giving them their dignity and their destiny back into their lives. This man was robbed. Let's you and I, let's you and I keep an eye out for people like that and let's speak into their lives. The second thing is, I think we all have a little bit of each one of these characters in us. Right? And so there's six characters that are acting in this play, right? There's the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, the innkeeper, the robbers, and then the victim. And I think we can all identify with some of this along life's journey. Hopefully not all of these, but in, in great detail. But So the priest went by, and he saw the guy laying there, and he simply said, I don't want to get involved. We don't know what he said. I'm extrapolating something and adding it to it here. But perhaps he said, I just don't want to get involved. I'm, I'm heading to church. I've got work to do. Maybe he's going home to Jericho. Maybe that's where he lived. But he didn't want to stop, so he didn't. And I think some of us get to a point in our lives sometimes where we say, I just don't want to get involved. Now, I think there are times when we don't need to get involved. It's dangerous. Okay? But I think there are times when we do need to step in and get involved. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit what the difference is. Holy Spirit, should I get involved here? Or should I not? And the Holy Spirit will say, red flag, red flag, don't get involved. Or the Holy Spirit will say, green flag, get involved. The Levite walked by, and he looked at the guy and said, he probably deserves that. I think it's a little bit of that in some of us where we say, oh, he probably deserved that. It's that part of our human nature that for some reason rises up at the worst of times. And we need to jettison that. We need to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. I'm not going to I'm not going to judge it. And it's real hard sometimes for us not to judge. But we need to say, I'm not going to judge the situation. I want to step into the situation. And so the Levite walked by and said, he probably deserved that. Let's don't do that. Let's don't make a judgment. The Samaritan walked by. His name was Sam, by the way. <laughs> Sam walked by and he looked and said, there's a real human being. That's a human being, period. He didn't categorize him as black or white or red or yellow or rich or poor, handsome or ugly. He, he, he didn't make a judgment. He said, that's a human being, and, and I need to step into his life. Right? And I think, I think there's a lot of that in us, too. I think there's a lot of Sam in all of us where we have that compassion that rises up. Then we see the innkeeper. The innkeeper... Uh, apparently had the gift of hospitality. Perhaps he was an entrepreneur, but for sure he had the gift of hospitality. He had set up an inn where people could come and stay on a long journey. And they could stay, up, in this case, if they were wounded. And I think it's a little bit of hospitality in all of us too. And we need, to, we need to leverage that for God. If there's some way we can help somebody with our hospitality, invite them in for a meal, then that's a good thing. Now you notice that Good Samaritan didn't take him home with him. Listen, there are some people you don't take home with you, right? Probably most people you don't take home with you. You take them somewhere where they can get help. And that's what the, that's what 
That's what the, the Samaritan did. He took him to the inn where he could get the help that he needed. Matter of fact, it says he stayed with him for a day, patching up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, which, you know, nowadays we drink wine and cook with oil. But back in the day, right, they put oil and wine on a cut or a bruise or something to, to make it better, to make it feel better, right? And so this hospitality, I think, in all of us uh, to, to help someone, that you don't have to take everybody home, you probably shouldn't, but take them to the place where they can get the help they need, whether that's a counselor or a therapist, right, or a doctor, a lawyer, whatever they need. Then there's the robbers, and, and I would say that, that all of us have just a smidge of that in us just because of our sinful nature where somebody has something that I want. That's why, that's why we're warned throughout the Bible, don't covet, don't covet, don't covet, don't covet your neighbor's wife. You know, don't, don't covet your neighbor's animal. Or in our case, don't covet your neighbor's car, right? That we're told not to covet that because God knows inside of us there's a little bit of something inside that says, well, they have more than I do, and so I want it. They have, they have something better than I do, so I want it. And we have to guard that, right? And then I think the victim, the victim. I think there's a little bit of victim in all of us. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying that most of us by this age have been robbed of something in our lives. Most of us by this age have been robbed of something in our lives. I can remember on a couple of occasions being robbed of a monetary inheritance. So my grandmother on my mother's side, who I loved dearly, she loved me, used to play in her yard all the time, eat at her table all the time. When Debbie and I first married, she had a duplex, a house that had been invited into two halves. And we lived on one side. That was our first house. She lived on the other. So we got to see my grandmother all the time, right? Eat with her, talk to her, that kind of thing. And so she got sick, and she wanted to leave. She had three daughters. She wanted to leave a third of it to each daughter, right, of her inheritance, including the house that we were living in. Well, the youngest daughter decided she wanted it all. And on my grandmother's deathbed, my aunt got her son, who was a lawyer by this time, to change the will completely. And all that was on her was an X. That's all. They picked her hand up and made an X with it on the changed will. Yeah, so she got everything, and, and including the house that Debbie and I were living in as our first house and told us we had to move out. It was, it was horrible, just horrible. And that's happened on two occasions with two separate aunts in my life. We've all been the victim of something somewhere along life's journey. And so we don't need to live from a place of being a victim. We need to find victory in that, obviously. But we need to, we need to be honest and say, I've been hurt. And it's okay to say that. And what that does when we say I've been hurt, it helps us to identify with humanity who's also been hurt. Does that make sense? When we've been hurt and we wrestle with why we've been hurt and what hurt us, it helps us to identify with humanity that's also been hurt. Because if you, if you haven't known pain in your life, it's kind of hard to understand somebody else's pain in their life and to enter in and have a conversation with them. Now, I'm not saying you have to go through the same things they do. I'm not saying that. You don't have to become a drug addict to understand a drug addict. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when you've been hurt, you have the ability now to step into someone else's life. Bible says that we've been given comfort in Christ so that we can share that same comfort with other people. That's a brilliant plan that God has. That whatever you've been through, 
He says, I will give you comfort so that when somebody else goes through that, you can take the comfort I gave you and share it with them. And you'll never run out of comfort. So if you've got a story to tell of being a victim, you need to tell that story at the right time in the right place in the right venue. But you need to tell that story because somebody else needs to hear it. Somebody else needs to hear it. And you'll be amazed at how people will flock to you and say, that's my story. I've never told it before. Can we talk? Yes, we can. Let's have coffee. And you listen to their story. So we all have a little bit of all these characters in us. And everybody we know has a little bit of these characters running around inside of us. <clears throat> we need to find the presence of Christ within all those characters and live from that point of view. The third thing is, I find that Jesus, Jesus is the Samaritan, right? Jesus is the good Samaritan. He stopped to help, and he bandaged his wounds. Jesus does that for us. He took him to a place where he could be helped and cured and find a place of recovery. Jesus does that for us. When we're at our weakest point, when we're, when we're most tired, Jesus takes us into a place, and he says, if you'll just rest, he calls it just rest. If you'll just rest, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for my burden is easy, my yoke is light. Come and rest. Jesus says, enter into my rest. And the third thing, he paid the full price for this man's recovery. Jesus paid the full price for our recovery when he died on the cross. Just like the Samaritan paid the full price, Jesus pays the full price for us. He doesn't just abandon us. He says, I'm going to stay with you for the next 24 hours and patch you up. And then I've got to get back to work. But I'm going to come back and check on you, and I'm going to come back and pay the bill. Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. Right? He's paid it all for us. Jesus is the Samaritan. The fourth thing I see is the father is the innkeeper. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. The father is the innkeeper here. He's full of hospitality and benevolence and love and patience and kindness and healing. He wants us to come into his house and to abide in his presence when we've been in that place of being a victim. And then the last thing I see is the Holy Spirit is our travel guide. A lot of you travel this week. A lot of you are glad you went. A lot of you are glad you're back home, right? But the Holy Spirit is our travel guide. And if you'll invite the Holy Spirit, he will let you travel on the right road at the right time to meet the right person who's been robbed of his dignity or her destiny. The Holy Spirit's our travel guide. But be prepared. When the travel guide, you need to know a couple of things. One, you need to be ready to have your plans interrupted. The Good Samaritan was going from point A to point B. He's on a journey, trying to get there, right? Trying to get the project completed. And it got interrupted. He had to stop, take care of this man. Maybe take an hour or two hours, maybe three hours by the time he put him on his donkey and took him to the end. His whole day got interrupted. You need to know when you submit to the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, I want to be like the Good Samaritan today. I want to follow your will today. You need to know that your plans may be interrupted. Right? My plan last night was to go to bed at 10 o'clock. I was tired. And I went to move some boxes. Right from point A to point B in my office, and I picked the box up, and it was soaking wet on the bottom. I didn't go to bed at ten. A pipe had burst inside our house, inside the wall, between 
my office and the spare bedroom, the closets were full of water, right? The spigot had broken up in the wall, you know, the outside spigot. And so Debbie and I were on our knees with towels. I don't have a wet shop back. I will after church today. <laughs> if y'all take up an offering, I'll get a real big one, right? You know what I'm saying? 50 gallon. 100 gallon. <laughs> I want something that'll... We're down with towels, like 15 towels, getting it all up, fans blowing. I went to bed sometime after midnight. My, my bedtime plans get interrupted. Life gets interrupted, right? Right? So trust the Holy Spirit to be your tour guide and your travel guide. He will interrupt you. Second thing is be prepared to be surprised by God. Be prepared to be surprised by God. God's detours are not always bad because God is always good all the time the detours might not be where we want to be and what we want to be doing but if God is good and he's prepared works for us in advance to do then it's going to turn out good for God's at work right all the time all around the world trying to convince people that he loves them that's as good I'm reminded of the story in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, where the Holy Spirit told Philip, go down to the road that leads to Gaza. And then Acts chapter 9, 11, where Ananias is told to go down to Straight Street and meet Paul. That's a 911 call, right? Acts 9, 11. Did you get it? Ken, did you get it? Okay. That's a 911 call. The Holy Spirit will direct you to the street you need to be on to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of for him. Isn't that beautiful? Sam, I told you to be a Sam. Sam stands for sensitive to the Spirit, S. A, available to the Spirit. And M, motivated by love. I'll say that again in French. S, sensitive to the Spirit. If you're going to be a Sam, sensitive to the Spirit. A, available to the Spirit. And M, Sam, motivated by love. Here's a key principle today. You will learn more about the heart of the Heavenly Father when you help His hurting children than you will in a thousand books, sermons, or songs. I'm going to say that again in German. You will learn more about the heart of the Heavenly Father when you help His hurting, hopeless, helpless, hungry, heart-sick children than you will in a thousand books or sermons or songs. Amen? Father, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for this story that Jesus told. Uh, Father, I thank you that you're the most benevolent person that I know. I thank you, Jesus, that you're the bravest person I know. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the brightest person I know. You're the most brilliant person I know. So, Holy Spirit, come be brilliant in our lives. Come be brilliant in our lives. Help us to be bold. Help us to be a good Samaritan, to be good to our neighbors, that it might bring glory to you. Father, help us to learn more about you this week than we ever thought we could by ministering and encouraging someone who's been robbed of their dignity and their destiny. Use us, Father. Use us this week. Interrupt our week to minister to people that it might bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.